I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts. It is National Signing Day, Nebraska. Normally fairly quiet on the second National Signing Day. There's a little bit of fireworks today. A.J. Allen running back from Neville High School in Monroe, Louisiana. And Janarin Bonner. I don't know, Brunts, how did I do on that one? Yeah, okay. I, I- you're in the ballpark there. Yeah, generic. All right. I'm in the ballpark. Wide receiver from Cedar Grove, Georgia. Both of these guys committed, signed with Nebraska on National Signing Day. They actually flipped from TCU and Georgia Tech, respectively. Uh, and Nebraska has moved up a little bit in the recruiting rankings here. Brunson, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time where Nebraska was ranked in the 60s and 70s for about seven months. It was as late as the end of the season, right? When they were in the seventies. Yeah, I mean, it was. You could go back to two, what? Two months from now would be December second, and they were still at least in the sixties. Yeah. So, I I don't know. I mean, it, and even as far back as when the the visit period started in December. I mean, th- this would probably be about the ideal finish that they could have had, right? I mean, you would have probably liked another offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, and you can add those later in the portal. But from a, the standpoint of just resetting your running back and receiving rooms, this is pretty good. I mean, you've got, <laughs> what, like 10% of your scholarships on your roster dedicated to the running back position now? Um, so it, it's... You know, you don't want you don't you probably don't like to finish in the 40s with your recruiting class, but given where Nebraska was about a month and a half ago, that's not bad. Yeah, I mean they they definitely made uh, made a little bit of movement there. If you do the overall, they're at number 35, which moves them up in front of Iowa, which is obviously you know where Nebraska would like to be, always in front of Iowa. They haven't been doing it on the football field. It's just a uh, it's been a really good stretch for Nebraska off the field. You hit on the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause. But before we get there, let's run through these two guys really quick. A.J. Allen running back out of Monroe, Louisiana. This was a guy that Brian Applewhite, who Nebraska hired in the beginning of January, had a great relationship with. And so when A.J. Allen first got the offer, those of us that are, uh, you know, the Sherlock Holmes of the Twitter world and, and covering Nebraska football – we're able to deduce that maybe Brian Applewhite might be a real target here for the Huskers as far as running back coach. And that obviously came to fruition. And then he's been involved in bringing in AJ Allen, who, uh, you know, Steve Wilpong spoke highly of 24 seven sports 
Cortez as a four-star here. TCU very much wanted to keep him. Mississippi State wanted to flip him. And Nebraska was able to actually land him. I mean, I, I can't speak for exactly what type of running back he is, but he is entering a situation that outside of Ramir Johnson is, is fairly wide open. And even Ramir Johnson might profile a little bit better as a third down running back for Nebraska moving forward, especially if they are going to throw the ball a little bit more. Uh, you might see more Ramir Johnson used that way, and you might see A.J. Allen or someone else used a little bit more differently uh, as kind of a between-the-tackle style running back. So A.J. Allen was the first one there, and then the second four-star, Janarin Bonner, uh, wide receiver who Andrew Ivins was talking about on the the, the signing day show for 24-7 for Sports today, saying that he feels like this is a, a good wide receiver, good build at six foot one, bigger guy, can be physical, and he gets added to a room that is also undergoing a makeover. And so I, I think in each of these situations, Nebraska was able to add a little bit more talent into rooms that are going to look dramatically different in 2022 than they did in 2021. I mean, it's just uh, base level stuff. I, you know, Brunts, but I, I really do feel like both of these guys are, are just sort of the, the capping piece of what has been a real makeover for those two position rooms. Yeah. Bonner's kind of an interesting case because, you know, you look at what he did as a senior, you know, Andrew Ivins was talking about how productive he was in the state title game that he watched. And, the fact that he was a little surprised that Bonner wasn't more heavily recruited and there weren't more teams trying to flip him because um, he had been a long time commitment to Georgia tech dating back to the summer. And, you know, it, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I think basically what you had at, at play there is you had Sean Beckton's connections. You had Mickey Joseph involved as well. I mean, that, that's a pretty good tandem and, you know, the, the thing about this, you know, late signing period and the way that things are kind of split nowadays. I mean, if there is a guy that, that's, you know, really looking for a, a, a spot late and there's an opportunity to go in and, and lean hard on those connections and, you know, kind of the newness, I guess, of Mickey Joseph and what Nebraska's wide receiver room can be. So I, I'm intrigued by him. He's, he's a legit 6'1", 190, um, you know, a, a bigger physical kid. So um, that, that, that intrigues me a, a little bit. And especially when, you know, you, you've got national guys kind of saying that not that he was a sleeper or under the radar or anything. Cause I think it's kind of hard to do that as a four-star prospect, but um, just a little bit of uh, a curious case of why this kid wasn't more highly recruited than he was. And Nebraska was a beneficiary of that. Bruns, can you name every receiver Nebraska took in this cycle without looking it up? Uh, okay. So you got Victor Jones. One. Uh, uh, you have uh, Garcia Castaneda. Two. You got DeColdis Crawford. Three. You have uh, Trey Palmer. Four. Who am I forgetting? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm forgetting a number of people, but. Well, you're forgetting the one that just committed today. Well, I, I thought that was a given. Well, no, I mean, I thought I that, that was the that was the free space. This is like bingo. Come on. No, you needed to say the name. Who who else? Who else am I forgetting? Oh, no, that's it. So there's okay. five white receivers in this class. Okay. Uh, Nebraska had one 
I believe committed coming into the month of December. So uh, certainly going to look a little bit different there. And then, you know, I, I don't think I'm breaking any real news here. It's going to be a really competitive spring at that position room. And there are just going to be guys who are going to be left out in the cold, so to speak, in terms of, of playing time, the depth chart and everything else. Uh, when you, you also have, you know, um, Bonner and Crawford are going to be arriving in June. So uh, if you're a wide receiver in Nebraska's roster right now, you've sort of been put on notice and you have been since the day that Mickey Joseph arrived because four of these guys were brought in. He's connected to, to three of the four. And then obviously was around when Isaiah Garcia Castaneda came in through an official visit and Nebraska first got on him through Steve Cooper. So um, I, I really think, you know, if you're a wide receiver in Lincoln right now, and you weren't one of those four that was brought in, um, and, you know, Victor Jones Jr., who obviously is here already, is going to get the opportunity to work with Mickey Joseph right away. So it's, you know, it's it's going to look a lot different at wide receiver for Nebraska, I think, in the fall than even it does in the spring. Well, I mean, look at it this way, too, though. If you're Omar Manning or you're Xavier Betts or somebody that's, you know, a holdover from, from the last um, wide receiver crew, I mean, you, you also have to probably like your chances of or maybe appreciate the, the new face and the new energy in that room. And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that, that Xavier Betts is going to benefit a ton from Mickey Joseph being there. Um, I, I think that Mickey Joseph has a tremendous amount of respect for what Xavier Betts can be as a wide receiver. So it is going to be interesting because you, like you said, on the one hand, you've got these kind of hand-picked Mickey Joseph guys in one group, and then you've got some talented guys on the other hand that that I don't know were necessarily used to their utmost ability in the last couple seasons um, in this other crew over here that, that's kind of going to be there in the spring. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how those groups kind of mesh because. I, I think, too, you're going to get a lot of rotation in that room, too, though, because if you're looking to get downfield, you're, you're going to run a lot of deep routes. I think there's going to be opportunities for guys to, to – a lot of guys to play there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, we, we touched on it running back. Obviously, there's, there's going to be some changes there, I'm sure, too. And you've got uh, A.J. Allen joins Emmett Johnson, joins Anthony Grant joins the rest of the room that was already still there. So it's, um, it's going to look different at running back. I, I don't know if Brian Applewhite is going to talk with today with the media, but I, I am really intrigued um, by him because he, he had some success with some different running backs in the mountain West. I think that, you know, people may not have looked back at that. I, I I'm really kind of curious how this all comes together this spring and, and running back is definitely going to be, a position that I watch closely, even if AJ Allen isn't there. And that's a guy who's going to have to try to, to earn that playing time over the summer. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> I, I should throw it back at you. Do you, can you name all of the running backs that they've added in, <laughs> in this cycle? Uh, it's, it's, it's an, an, as prolific as a group as, as the wide yeah. receiver crew. Well, we'll start with this. They took a commitment from Ashton Hayes, um, he did not sign with the class. He ended up with Cal and then Emmett Johnson 
was at one point the only running back affiliated with Nebraska, but that ended fairly quickly. They took a uh, commitment from DeAndre Jackson, who if we see him, he'll be here in the summer. Uh, And then you're looking at Anthony Grant, seemingly came out of nowhere, uh, leading rusher in the junior college ranks for New Mexico Military Institute. He signs with Nebraska and enrolls essentially the same weekend. And then they've now added A.J. Allen. And so you have those guys in addition to a room that is very much in flux. It still has Marquis Stepp and Jockey Ant and Ramir Johnson and Gabe Irvin. And so there's just a a lot going on for Nebraska at the running back spot right now. And and we'll see kind of how that clears up. But you've got seven scholarship guys uh, in that room. Did I forget anybody there, Brunts? No, I, I was I was wondering if you were going to forget Gabe Irvin. He seems to be the like it. It seems like that Oklahoma game was like nine seasons ago. Yeah, Gabe Irvin is actually twenty seven years old right now. <laughs> that knee has never been more rested uh, than than this time period. No, he's he's definitely. I I don't know how available he'll be for the spring, but he's certainly someone that the staff, the previous staff, really liked a lot. Um, and I, I don't know, did you ever talk with Gabe Irvin? Like he didn't, he was never a podium guy. So he might've just been slumming it with me in the hallway uh, for the first few weeks there. But did, did you ever get a chance to talk with him? Yeah, he talked, um, he talked after a game, I think it was like early in the season, obviously. Um, and he, he also talked after the spring game last year because he was an early enrollee and we, uh, he had a flashy hat on. I forget what it had on. I just what, what what it had on it. It's just one of those things where I remember thinking to myself, "Wow, that's a pretty flashy hat." Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's kind of the wild card in all this because he he's going to be you know probably rejoining the mix um, a little bit later than some than, than the crew that's arriving in the summer. So, you would think with that many options, you would be able to find one guy who could emerge um, to, to be your, your starting uh, starting running back and your bell cow. But we'll see. I mean, it's, it's like you said, a wide open group, new coach, new style, and uh, nothing but opportunity there with a, uh, a full crew assembled. Assemble yeah. your crew. So that's, that's the good news that's kind of come out of today. You have those two additions that kind of cap off this class. Uh, Nebraska – has um, 11 transfer portal additions. They have signed 18 high school or junior college players. So you're, you're kind of looking at, at that point, you have three, maybe four spots available. Um, you know, if, if not, if, if DeAndre Jackson doesn't make it in over the summer or whatever. So you, essentially you've got three spots with Jackson, four spots without. Um, Here's where the downside of this class shines for me a little bit. So we've spent much of this kind of talking, and obviously they just picked up a running back and a wide receiver. I feel like the skill position players and the defensive back additions sort of overshadow what is going to determine the real fate of Nebraska football, and that's to play along the lines. And they didn't get a defensive lineman in this class outside of Brody uh, Tagaloa, um, who is 
talented, but also coming off of injuries, hasn't played a lot of football in his career. And if we're just going to be frank and honest, which I clearly believe in, he committed to a coach that's no longer here. And so Nebraska's situation on the defensive line, where they just lost Jordan Riley a little more than a week ago, who popped up at Oregon. Um, it actually hadn't even been a week. Was it Friday when that happened? It hadn't even been a week. It's been like he, five days. He, he, um, hit the, he hit the portal Friday and was out on Sunday. It was very quick, very quick airlock. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Riley wasn't messing with any uh, timeshare brochures in that portal. He wasn't, wasn't going to waste any – Anytime meeting up and catching up with old friends or anything like that. He's like, get me the hell out of here. The snacks suck in here. Yeah. So they've got a real issue on both sides of the ball in the trenches. And so I, I will say this, I don't want to use it as any kind of measurement for what he is going forward, but it's a bit of a red flag for me that Donovan Rayola's name is not attached to a single player in this class. You have Mickey Joseph, Bill Bush, Brian Applewhite, Mark Whipple, all of these guys have at least one piece that they're responsible for. And Donovan Rayola was there when Kevin Williams was brought in, but Kevin Williams was going to commit if that was offered, no matter what, he's an in-state kid. Uh, Justin Evans Jenkins was a Scott Frost find um, and someone that they knew that they liked before Donovan Rayola was on uh, staff. Same with, with Hunter Anthony as well. And so, um, I, again, I'm not trying to – to sound the alarm bells or anything, but it is at least worth noting that one of the concerns with hiring a guy who's never been a coach before and hasn't recruited really is that he has to go out and do it. And Nebraska was linked to some names, but they never really made it to campus. I mean, that's the other thing. He never brought anybody in either. So they've got a lot of work to do still on the portal with their three or four remaining spots um, that work to me all seems like it really needs to be focused on the defensive line and the offensive line. And then of course, the big thing this spring is really, they're going to have to figure out who's going to be their center, how that line is going to take shape. What's the plan without Teddy Prohaska? What does it look like when you hope to have Teddy Prohaska? So, um, he's got a lot going on. I would just say for as good as today feels and as good as the last month and a half, really have been around this program in the offseason. There's still some things out there that that are a little bit concerning. But Nebraska's young on the offensive line still. They've got some guys, Henry Lutovsky, that could be, you know, breaking through here and, and give you a little bit of length in their careers. But you still want to see them bring in some help on the offensive line. And then now, you know, for Mike Dawson on that defensive line as well. So that would be, you know, if you were looking at this thing from from every angle, that would be the most glaring thing as I look at this recruiting class. Yeah, I and it's more so. I mean, you let's be honest. I mean, you're looking at this as getting through 2022 to get you 2023, the season. Yeah, that's and, where we are. I mean, there's no reason to hide from that. So, to me, I mean, when, when you're basically playing around with three spots, I mean, you, you and probably everybody else in the country is looking for a difference making pass rusher. Um, I think Nebraska is probably still searching for that best available type player at that spot. I do think that the departure of Jordan Riley really ups the fact that Nebraska has to go find some kind of help, immediate help, like help that can play a lot of snaps for you in the middle of that defensive line. Um, I don't think that Ty Robinson is, is 
necessarily cut for that spot. I think he's better at defensive end. Um, you know, th- there's, you know, the, the annual chatter of whether or not Nebraska is going to play more four man front this year versus three man front. It's that no, time of have year. enough to play three men down right now. So how are they going to add a fourth one in there? It's just that time of year, Mike. And as you know, this thing is all according to the calendar. So February is signing day and four man front, four man front month. So, you know, you, you got to find help there. Um, you know, Nash Hutmacher played a bit when Damian Daniels went down late in the year. You know, what was maybe a little bit of a red flag to me as well was when Daniels went down and you didn't see a lot of Jordan Riley. Um, that's still to me, though, I mean, he's he's a veteran guy that would have helped you, stolen you some snaps in the middle. But that, to me, is the biggest area of concern um, for, for this team, the team, more so often, more so than offensive line. It's who, who's going to be able to give you snaps in the middle, because I, I think you know, you're going to be relying on young guys that are on the roster now, or you got to go get immediate help. So that, that to me is what's still ahead. How uh, we'll, we'll finish up with this. And I know we're getting together on Thursday to do another podcast. And, and so there's going to be even more conversation about this coming, but how difficult was the super six for you this time around, especially because we did allow for transfer portal additions. And so you have to wait the short term with the long term. Uh, you have to weigh the fact that Nebraska basically has two very distinct looking recruiting classes pre Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush and post Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush. How did it all come together for you this year? Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, as a preview of mine, I, I was afraid of being that guy that just had all transfers in my super six. I mean, when you kind of look at, I mean, you can balance long-term help and short-term help, but I think a lot of those transfers are going to end up being the most impactful guys that, that Nebraska is going to bring onto their roster this spring. So um, that was one consideration was making sure that I had a few high school guys on my my list. I think I only ended up at two. Um, the other was was whether or not I had Brian Buscemi too high uh, on my on my list because, as you know, I'm very pro boom boom. Um, but needed to uh, to make sure he wasn't too high up on my list. So those are my my big concerns. But the 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 addition of the transfers was actually very helpful because I, I think it actually allowed me to more easily get my top six. Yeah, and um, it, it definitely there's there's one transfer that stood far out and above everyone. Made twenty of twenty one lists. Uh, was the clear cut number one player. People will be able to to find this. It'll go up on Husker 24-7, probably around the same time that this podcast goes up. But uh, so we'll we'll dive into more of this tomorrow with BC. But I I know that I had difficulty because there was a, a couple high school guys that I liked where it's like, well, you can't really be a sleeper because you're too, you're probably too good to be a sleeper. But there's some uh, important pieces, I think, that they added into this class that that came from different places as well. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and close this thing out. How would you, let's just, let's play a little word association. I didn't tell you that this was coming. How would you describe Nebraska's recruiting cycle in one word, the 2022 cycle? Uh, exhausting. The, the, <laughs> the, the 2022 class just felt like it never, it like, 
has it ended? Like today is signing day, and I feel like this is going to go on for a, a couple more months as as they scour the portal. Like this is the class that's never going to end. It, it certainly could be that. I. Uh, How about you? With with no, um, mine would be chaotic. I mean, think about all the things that occurred in this class. Like you finally had, you finally had official visits open up June one. You could have individual workouts on campus. Nebraska hosted like 20 plus players in the month of June. And I think they're only going to end up with four of them in their class. The Huskers have a quarterback in this class that no one put in their super six at all. They actually have three quarterbacks in this class. Richard Torres's name hasn't come up really in any conversation that we've had recently um, or in the super six. Like Richard Torres is part of this class. And yet I have to remind myself that like I, I know that everything has gone very differently over the last two cycles um, for recruiting and for college athletics. I am hopeful that 2023 and there's still going to be shifts. There's still going to be the the transfer portal. There's still going to be all of that. I Brunson, if Nebraska wins enough games that the staff stays together for the, the next year, I think they'll be back into a top 20 class. I think we're going to have a more normal cycle. I actually think Nebraska is going to be pretty active in terms of landing commits in the spring, uh, more so than what we've seen in the past. So there's like a part of me that sort of is just ready to put 2022 to bed and eagerly awaiting to just kind of flip things over to 2023. And you know what happens when you get excited about things around here in Nebraska? It just just doesn't Somebody just runs by and just absolutely blasts you right in the groin. That's what happens. You're just, you know, it's like you're closing out a basketball game and you're just dribbling, you're dribbling, you're dribbling, and you just don't think that someone's going to come from behind and poke the ball out. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. But I I am very optimistic for this 2023 class. That's not lip service. I think that there's a good amount of players that have already been to campus that have interest in this staff. I don't think there's a whole lot of dead man walking syndrome that has permeated over into that recruiting uh, at this point in time, in part because everything feels so fresh with the new assistants they brought in. And I'm ready to watch some of these guys go to work for a full cycle. I mean, we saw what they can do in a condensed amount of time. What does it look like when it's April and you can start to have official visitors in and you've got a spring game that I think is going to be pretty well attended uh, this, what, second week of April. So um, it's going to get real fun in a hurry, I think, with recruiting. Well, there you have it. Recruiting never stops, ever. Just keeps going. But this podcast will. And you can catch all of our stuff at Husker 24-7. We'll have another podcast later this week, and we are working on some different things. So, uh, again, we keep hinting at this, and I think it's just around the corner, but you might have the opportunity to watch Michael Brunt scratch his arm as he just did right there. You could see it for yourself. You could be like, wow, those guns are enormous. Look at that. Uh, And that could be coming. And we're going to have some guests and some other fun people on as well. So we'll have plenty of stuff as we continue on with our Husker 24-7 coverage. Be sure to check out Husker 24-7. we got update stories on the two guys that committed and signed. The Super 6 is coming. We will have superlatives and all of the great stuff that you've come to know from our coverage throughout the week as we finish off the 22 recruiting class. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.